an AppleViz original. Hello and welcome to AppleViz Extra. My name is Thomas Domville, also known as Anonymous, and we have a special guest here that we're going to do an interview with behind the company called Eyes. They are the maker of the OKO AI Copilot for the Blind app. And with me today, I have Willem. And thank you so much for coming on and doing this interview with us, Willem. Hi, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Very welcome to be here. Well, that's great. You know, I've been playing with this for the past, gosh, what has it been now? Three weeks. And I need to know something here. What is the correct way of saying this app? Is it Ako, Oko, or is it OKO? It's actually, um, it's funny that you mentioned because in your last pod podcast, you said um, voiceover has a good way of butchering the name. Yeah. And actually voiceover says it correctly. It's called Oko. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I got that. All right. Well, you see, that's official. We got that official. Yeah. Is we got Oko. that on tape. We got that on tape. It's called Oko. And the reason it's actually called that is that because um, it's Croatian and it stands for I. Uh, not that we're from from that area, but we were looking for a very easy and distinct name so that, for example, if you say, hey, Siri, open Oko, it's a very, oh, sorry, my phone is already opening it up. It's a very distinct and easy sound. And so, as for example, in this case, you can just easily say, hey, Siri, open Oko, and then it just opens up the application and you're immediately good to go. And that's why it's called OKO, Oko. <laughs> it just it just slips in, doesn't it? You know, it's, it it's in there. right. You know, all since it's spelled to us O K O, I I suppose that's the easiest way to spell out. But Ako, you know, that could be spelled in different ways. How interesting! So it's a creation name for eyes. That is pretty cool. It's kind of like your company name. I notice it is eyes, but with the letter A. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that stands for artificial eyes, since we're using artificial intelligence to to really translate visual information into sound. The problem with AYES is that if you say, hey, Siri, open eyes, the way that we're spelling it, is that it's just going to say, did you mean eyes? Did you mean this? Did you mean that? So we really needed a very easy way, and that's how we came up with Oko. Oh, how cool. I, I always find this fascinating. Um, people spelling their company names or it's just really cute. I think that's perfect. So the A is for artificial. That's cool. So tell our listeners exactly, for those that are not familiar with ACO, what is ACO and what can this do for us? Yeah, definitely. So in a very simple way, ACO brings back the state of the pedestrian traffic light to the blind and vision impaired user in three types of feedback. One is there's a visual overlay. So the screen will turn green for the walk signal, red for the don't walk signal, and orange for the countdown. Um, but also there will be vibrations and haptic. So it would be fast vibrations for the walk signal and also fast audio, slow vibrations for the don't walk and also slow audio. And then it would be a kind of like an intermittent vibrations for the countdown. Um, and it's a very distinct, distinct feeling and distinct sound. I actually have a user that told me it almost feels like a horse. Um, but all of these vibrations you can get used to in the application. The way that the application works is very easy. You hold it up against your chest with the screen towards your chest and the back camera pointing towards the destination 
that you want to go, so the intersection that you want to cross. The moment that the back camera detects a pedestrian head, we, inf- we bring back that state to you in an instantaneous fashion. Um, the reason that it responds so, so fast is because all of the software runs locally on the smartphone. So that means no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection required. You can just run it in airplane mode if you like. The reason why it's so important that it runs locally on the phone is because it, that, that instantaneous reaction actually also gives it an extra sense of orientation. So you can imagine when you're standing at the street where you want to cross, um, the moment you do kind of like a rotation with your chest about 10 to 15 degrees, the moment that we're going to see that pedestrian head is that the moment that we're instantly going to bring back that information to you. So that way you know, ah, okay, this is where I'm pointing one correctly, but also that's where the direction that I want to cross it because at the other side of the street, that's where the pedestrian head is located. So that's where uh, the traffic light is. So that's in the direction I want to start walking in. But also very important is that for example, in the US, there's this wide intersections. The moment that during the, the, the crossing, you're veering off into traffic or to the middle of the intersection, we're no longer going to see that traffic light. So we're going to go silent. And then you stop, reorient. And then the moment we see that inf- that information again, so that pedestrian head, we bring that back in an instantaneous fashion. So you know again, ah, this is the right direction that I'm heading in. That is pretty cool right there. I like knowing because you're right sometimes it's difficult to cross the road and make sure that you're going in the right direction first of all and it's so easy and and we have the tendency to kind of veer off and knowing Mm -hmm. if that camera no longer sees that it's telling you hey you're veering off try moving it back in a direction do you think the crosswalk is and that way it will get you back on course. I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, as you know, I created a podcast on this. And at first, I'll be honest, I, I was just skeptical because, you know, those roads here are can be really wide. And it's meaning that it's, it's way over there. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how is it going to see that little itty bitty signal light from this distance? But somehow, some way... It just picks it up immediately. I mean, the first time I opened it up, boom, it just it detected immediately. I was just like, holy smoke, this is really incredible. And then I pressed the crosswalk button, and sure enough, as soon as it turned, it just went beep and did this cute little um, sound to let you know that the walk sign is on. And that's a good point to make, too, for our listeners. This is a tool. This is a tool that we use with additional with our guide dog or cane um this is never meant to be alone or is it all just because it says the walk sign is available it doesn't mean it's safe you just still gotta you know yep you gotta be adapted to your surrounding etc that is just it just amazes me that it was able to detect that such a distance and yeah yeah i mean thomas there there you're exactly right so um, that's also what we say to to all of our users is that we're trying to bring back as much information as possible to the user so that they can make an informed decision. But it's not a substitute of any other, um, for example, white cane or guide dog or any other training that you're used to. Uh, and that's also why we try to work together with orientation and mobility specialists that they can, for example, um, start explaining the application to their students so that they can get used to it. 
while they're they're still in their training. So that I think that that can be a very nice synergy. Um, mm-hmm. And indeed, it, it 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 picks up on very very wide intersections. At the moment, we support roughly to about eight intersections, eight lanes wide intersections. So that's quite wide already. Um, but we're expanding that even more. So the beauty of of the the core of the product is artificial intelligence. Um, you might know all of the 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 hype around like chat GPT and and different kind of artificial intelligence. The Oco app uses similar state of the art, uh, really state of the art algorithms, and that means that it actually also is constantly improving. So we're constantly improving and maintaining the application just by learning from different usage cases. So each time that a pedestrian traffic light is detected by a user, there's a small image that that's taken, it's anonymized, and then it's used to make our AIs even smarter. Um, it's also a setting in, in our application. You can always turn that off if you don't want to, but it actually is for your best and the community's best that you leave it on because it, it's constantly improving and making the application even smarter so that we can support intersections that are even wider scope. Mm, that's awesome. You know, the first thing I thought when you said eight lanes, I was like, no. <laughs> I, 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 my dog would just say, no way. I'm not, I'm not crossing that. Um, but that's amazing that the, you could see across eight lanes to see that signal. Um, now I had a question from a, a member of the team. He was asking me, and I've never had this situation. And so I'm just curious, there are some intersection where he goes to that you cross to a middle point of their crosswalk. So in other words, you cross across so many lanes and go to a median that would have a signal on its own. And then across those lanes, there's another signal. And he was thinking if you're at the original point of the intersection, you know, the good question he present, well, let's see both. And I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't imagine so because it sees both, but I, I want to ask the expert here. You yeah. ever seen that? So it's, it's definitely seeing both. Um, but it's learned, so it knows that it needs to look at the closest traffic light to you. Uh, we actually have that quite often here in Europe, and we handle with that as well. I can tell you that in Europe, we've helped cross 400,000 streets already. Um, wow. And that's just and that's just the beauty of the product, is that people, people recognize that it's such a global problem, and it's such an easy application to use, because it was actually co-created with so many blind and visually impaired people that they go out and, and use it, even at these, for example, special kind of intersections with uh, a middle island, um, just because they know that the application works so powerful. Wow. Just for it to know that this is the closest one and that's what's going to focus. That's amazing. That's AI to um, its core right there. Oh, that's that's beautiful. I will pass that information to him and so helpful to us. You know, one of the recommendations I also would like to make to everybody too is that practice. You don't have to cross. Just sit there in the corner, press a button and watch your phone and it will just tell you when it's walk and when it's stop and just do it a couple of times so you can get comfortable with that. And it's a good practice on a typical route that you take. And so you can understand how this works. And that's something else I want to mention too. So that is just amazing. I love this. So 
what is the history behind this ACO? I mean, how did the idea come up for something like ACO? Yeah, that's, that's a that's a great question. Um, the idea really started um, with a mutual friend of ours. Um, he started talking to us during COVID times, where everyone was quarantined and wasn't allowed to go out. Um, and so, for example, at those times, it would be less crowded on the streets, so he would have less people to ask for directions so just or for just help to ask is it the walk signal is it the don't walk signal um and we started thinking okay our three co-founders are ai engineers so artificial intelligence engineers if these autonomous driving cars can drive at 100 miles per hour on or or what is it 60 miles per hour sorry uh, on the highway why can't we use similar techniques to help out blind and visually impaired people to walk three miles per hour on the sidewalk um and that's exactly what we set out to do. So we we created an application um, in co-creation with lots and lots of line of vision impaired people because that that way we know that it's such an easy to use application, the ease of use and the experience is super important. And I think after six months of trying out different things with lots and lots of line of vision impaired people, we all three quit our jobs and started full-time to creating this service. Oh, wow. Wow, that is <laughs> that tells you your dedication that you absolutely you dropped everything that you were doing and just wanted to focus on something that could help us out. And wow, that is an amazing story. Um, you know, I am curious now that you you were talking about it was during COVID and you were able to think about crossing roads. I suppose if the intersection is busy with people, obviously you're not going to get a clear view, but if you have that many people going back and forth, you are going to be pretty pretty reasonably safe to walk with the other people. So I, I know some of you are probably thinking about that. Well, yeah, if you just walk with the other people, um, it doesn't mean <laughs> that it, they're walking when they're supposed to, but I was thinking about that because, you know, in busy places like New York, I can't imagine that um, ACO will probably only work with more of the suburbs or outside of the city where there aren't so many people. We actually already have a few people from Manhattan that are using the application. But you're right. I mean, if, if you're not, it's not that you, if you have ACO, you need to use it at every intersection. If you're, for example, near an easy intersection where you can cross based on sound, you can just use that. Or if people are crossing the street. The problem with places like, for example, Manhattan is that Lots of times people are in a hurry and they cross when it's the don't walk signal. Um, and then, of course, dangerous scenarios can arise. So that's mm -hmm. where I think the OCO application can really help. Um, there's also these new intersections coming up, which are um, in Belgium, they're called conflict-free areas. I don't know what they're called in the US, but it's basically where all the car traffic have a stop and then all pedestrian traffic have the walk signal. Um, and then it can be, can be very hard for you to rely upon your hearing to know if it's safe to cross or not. So these are also like new in, new types of intersections that can where Oco can really help out a lot, I think. Sure. And uh, you're you're absolutely right. That's a good point. And that way you can say, hey, it really isn't safe to go across yet, even though those people are crossing. That's that's a good that's that's a really good point because you can get yourself in a really hairy position um because of that. Now I am curious we I've noticed that in the States, it's kind of a mixed technology when it comes to these intersections, meaning that, yes, our Department of Transportation has made some recommendations like these crosswalks 
should be equipped with these haptic crosswalk buttons. They should be audible and you should be able to hear these uh, tock, tock, tock sound on each of the corners. And if you press the crosswalk button for three seconds, the audio will kick in and then the talk will be in the direction that you want to go so you can hear and follow it. But you know, as much as I do, a lot of people say, well, why not I just use that? Well, sure, absolutely. But not always are those things going to be working. Sometimes they're broken. Maybe they need some maintenance or you're just a little bit confused. And this is just an additional tool on top of that. But I had a, a listener was asking me a question. He says he lives in Madison, I believe, in Wisconsin, which is the north central part of the states here. And he was saying that it's not able to detect his traffic pedestrian signal correctly, meaning they must have an older traffic light. And that happens in certain cities where they aren't updated to the new modern lights. What can we do for those circumstances where there are pedestrian signal, but the ACO is not picking it up. Yeah, so that's that's a, a great question. Um, it's it's you you say it correctly. Indeed, we look at the pedestrian signal, so we're not looking at car traffic lights. So that you're right. Um, on these oldest older traffic lights, we are expanding um, the AI to recognize these things as well. So as mentioned. Um, the AI is constantly learning from different scenarios. And there's actually a button inside the home screen where you can uh, report a mistake. And there it's actually going to take a small uh, image of that intersection. So you need to be pointing towards, for example, the traffic light that, that isn't working at that point. Um, you take an image and that is used within our AI to become smarter and smarter. And then we will be able to, um, to recognize those traffic lights. I think What's also very important is, um, for example, that user, uh, he could send me an email through several types of actions in the OCO app, for example, suggest an action of, or give feedback. Um, and then he can say, okay, at this intersection, uh, this wasn't working. And then I can look on Google Maps actually to see what kind of traffic lights there are. And then I can know, okay, the AI needs to train, fine tune more on these types of images. So far, I've only had this case once. And that was for really, really old traffic lights with the don't walk uh, written out. Um, and we are already working on creating the AI that, that it will be able to handle these types of intersections as well. Oh, that is so cool. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that, um, of the different ways that... So if you're listening to this podcast and you are kind of mixed results or not having good results with your ACO, those are some perfect examples. Do that, report that to them so they can improve it. Boy, what the complexity of coming to the States or any countries for that matter. I'm sure you originated... I noticed that it came this OCO... ACO came, <laughs> ACO came out in November of 2021, is that right? Yeah, that's true. So we've been live, I think, for a year here in Belgium, and now we're expanding into the, the U.S. market. Okay. So the complexity of staying in a country and seeing all the different types and different scenarios must be mind-boggling, but at the same time, it's challenging and helping you because then you'll be able to focus on one place because I'm sure it's very different in every place you go to every country. And there are so many, there's a vast of differences of what the traffic with the pedestrian signal looks like. That has to be a challenge for you guys. 
Definitely. So um, it's it's different depending on countries to countries what some types of pedestrian traffic lights look like. Um, it is a bit more standardized here in Europe. But the beauty of the the artificial intelligence is that it really gets an understanding of of what is a pedestrian traffic light. So it's not just looking at a color. It's really trying to understand that scenario. Um, and we have found that our AI is, is really, really powerful and generalizing. So able to expand into different areas in a very good manner. So we are currently testing already in Spain, but also even in Japan. So it's really amazing that it's already able to go to these type of countries, which are far away, of course. Um, the US AI model was a completely new AI model, actually, where our team worked very, very hard because here in Europe, we have a red, um, a red man to say, don't walk, and then a green man to say the walk. No. Uh, whereas in the US, for example, it's kind of like a square traffic light with a red hand instead of a man, and then a white man. So it's, it's completely different, and we had to retrain our AI algorithm completely from the ground up, specific for the US market. Interesting. So I am curious now that you mentioned that. Now, there's two questions to that. Availability. So you mentioned Belgium, Spain, Japan, and now in the States. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Actually, at the moment, Belgium and the United States are the only places where you can just download it out of the App Store. Gotcha. Spain and um, and Japan, those are in testing, so through test flight. Um, but we will be expanding in those areas soon. More places are to come, but we only expand into different areas where we know, okay, it's going to perform very, very powerful. And then we ex expand into that area. Now, okay. So if I download ACO here in the States and just say I am going on vacation and visit Belgium, is that going to work or do you need a Belgium app for that? No. So at the moment, um, it's kind of like based on your region of your iPhone, but our mm -hmm. team is actually changing that, that it will automatically switch to the European AI model. Um, and I can tell you that if you travel to Europe, basically throughout the entire region of Europe, the Oco application will also help you cross the street. Nice. Okay. I wondered about that. And the more countries you start to provide, I'm curious, will that bulk up the size of the app? Does it get bigger or is it because it's all AI is going to stay pretty relatively the same size it is now? It's going to stay this pretty relatively the same size as it is now. What might bulk up the application is that once more features are added, it might come a bit heavier and heavier, but it is something that we really take care of as well. Well, that's, that's great. I, you know, I wanted to ask, I was curious as you grew, I was like, boy, I hope this doesn't get chunky or something, but that's good to know. Um, so you mentioned this can be run offline, meaning that if you put an airplane mode or for some reason you want your privacy, I get that. And a lot of people don't have the great cell reception. So it's good to know that it works offline, but as a reminder, as you mentioned, is that if you keep the option to opt in for um, a data analysis, that will help you and us to improve on signals and things, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And actually, uh, something else that, that's, that I noticed in your previous podcast, there's an option called camera. Um, and that's actually not to turn off the camera, but it's to turn off the camera visual. Um, and that's a very important tool. So um, for those of us that are visually impaired, the application actually displays what the camera is seeing. 
with aiming the traffic light. But for example, if you're blind, then you can switch off that camera toggle and then it stops displaying what the camera is seeing, but it's still going to be detecting those pedestrian head. And that actually is a, a battery saving mode for the application. Um, because you also mentioned the cam the application is kind of a battery hog. That's indeed because the application runs locally on the phone. So it's doing very complex artificial intelligence calculations. But our team is currently working very hard on making sure that it's um, better optimized and so that the battery impact will be reduced. But for example, if you're finding that the battery impact is quite high, you might want to turn on that or off that camera visual and that way save some battery. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because I was like, why in the world would they put a camera setting to turn off a camera? In a Jackie right there. <laughs> I'm glad you point that out because I was like, what is it? So that actually turns off the visual aspect and that, yeah, you're right. That would save on your battery. Yeah. So it is, it is normal, but we are working on, on uh, making the application more efficient. Um, something else important to mention is that if you run it in battery saving mode from the iPhone itself, the application is going to be slower. Um, mm. So that's because Apple is restricting the access that you have to their computer chips. Uh, so we always recommend do not, do not use the battery saving mode of your iPhone when using the Oco app, because then it's going to be slower. And being slower means mess a little bit less of that extra orientation feeling and that extra snappiness of the application, really. Wow. That is a really important note. Thank you for telling us about that. I never would ever put two two together. And yeah, the slow responsiveness be less effective and be um, you're endangering yourself if, yeah. Thank you so much for telling us about that. Um, speaking of within the settings area, or I was reading the, um, the consent that you had on there. And I noticed, and I'm curious why you said that, and I mentioned this in the podcast, to be used only in the daytime. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned, I, I heard that as well, um, where you said, like, I think my camera, my my um, pedestrian heads are lit up, so should work. Um, it said the OCO application is actually a bit more uh, sensitive at nighttime. So that means that, for example, sometimes um, another red light could, could indicate that it would be the don't walk signal. Um, but those are really rare scenarios. Um, for now, since it's an early lounge, uh, we're saying, okay, maybe try to focus on daylight only. Of course, um, we have had tons and tons of users already saying that it works very well at night as well. Um, but it's actually constantly improving there. So you will see that it will never make a mistake between the don't walk and a walk at night. Just for example, sometimes um, it might be a little bit off. Uh, where it says, for example, a don't walk while you're maybe just pointing at a car traffic light that mm -hmm. is on red. Um, but it's actually constantly improving and, and becoming better and better. And we have heard from tons and tons of users that it already works very well at night. We're just trying to be a bit safer there. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was a liability issues or something like that, but you're right. If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. That's the beauty of it. It's never going to astray you to say it's going to do any guessing game. So that's the nice safety aspect of what ACO provides. That's the beauty of AI as well, is that indeed it's never going to give you that wrong information. It's just actually really trying to bring back correct information. Cool. 
I am curious now. I looked on the website of yours over at ICE, and I noticed, I think this is available in Belgium, is your bus tram feature. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. You're ex- actually very right. Um, imagine the scenario where, for example, you're at a bus stop, you're waiting for your bus, and you know, based on some kind of application that you use for your transit, that in X amount of minutes, a, a bus will arrive. Um, but we know TPS is, is not accurate and there could be a delay or there could be multiple buses arriving at the same bus stop um, that you, for example, don't know, is this the bus that I'm getting on? So what we do is we start vibrating the moment that a bus is in sight and then we read out the destination that that bus has to you so that you know, okay, I'm getting on the right bus. The application, this version, this functionality of the application is only live in Belgium at the moment, but we are expanding that through the US market. I'm not allowed to say when it will come. The team is working hard on that, um, but it will be, I think, something very nice to, to, to add to the US market because people in, in Belgium really love it. I have one user that, that said to me, I even use it when my sighted wife is next to me when we're taking the bus. So that I don't constantly have to ask her, is this the bus that we're getting on? Is this the bus that we're getting on? And just take out the OCO app. It reads it out for me and I'm good to go. That is, I, it's, that's huge. And I think in conjunction with the OCO pedestrian traffic signal identification, but on top of that, having it to be able to recognize the bus tram, um, destination, it's going to be just absolutely huge. Like you said, when something is pulling in early or late, most of the time it's always late, but you know that is the correct bus. Boy, the complexity that is going to bring to your team is going to be baffling. It's going to be just, <laughs> I just can't imagine for you uh, with so many different cities here. That is an awesome feature I can't wait to see. Now, have you been in talk with anybody putting this on any types of um, AR, VR headsets like Envision glasses? Um, so the, the AI has very three very big constraints. So one, it needs a very powerful camera. Two, it needs a very powerful battery. And three, it needs a very powerful computer chip. Um, we are a software-first company. We, we are open to some kind of implementation on different types of headsets. Um, but currently, uh, but currently we're only on the iPhone because we really need those three big constraints. We're always open to some kind of other implementations, uh, but we still, still have to see what those will be. Although that's, you know, thank you for the transparency and being upfront on that. I, I would have never, ever thought of that. And I think a lot of listeners wouldn't, wouldn't either. It's like, why couldn't you do this? Well, that's, that's a very good question and a very good answer is that it's the processing and the battery that on those devices need to be powerful enough to be able to implement the AI portion. So where the iPhone is very powerful and that's something you have to have. Wow. That's exactly cool. right. And that's, that's also the cool thing. Um, the moment that you have that instantaneous feedback, you have that extra information of orientation and that that's very, very powerful. And um, the moment that you, for example, start working with Bluetooth connections to external devices, there could be some kind of lag. And we don't want, want to have that lag because it's just that extra orientation that's so, so important. 
Well, the possibility, wow, can you imagine maybe, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself on this, but I'm thinking the Apple so-called AR VR headset that's supposed to be equipped with the M1 chip. Boy, you would think something like that, that might be able to handle that. Yeah, Yeah. we would love, we would love that indeed. That would be very, very cool. That would be. So I, here comes the big, um, gorilla in the room question for you. And I am really curious. It is free for anybody to download and use. How in the world are you able to make this free and you being able to have a team and not having to work elsewhere to keep this free? Yeah. So in Belgium, we're actually the first application ever to be fully reimbursed for blind and visually impaired people. So that means that our healthcare system has recognized the importance of this application um, and fully reimburses that license for blind and visually impaired people. Um, Our mission, it's a noble mission, but it's a very hard mission, is that we want to keep providing the application for free for the end user because a sighted person doesn't have to pay to see the traffic light. Why should a blind or visually impaired person have to pay to see it? The way that we're trying to approach this is that we're looking towards cities and governments because they have a responsibility to increase their accessibility, saying, hey, we can provide this application to your constituents and provide information to increase your accessibility or to try to work together with healthcare companies. Right now, the focus is really on getting as many, many users as possible so that people understand how valuable the application is for everyone so that we can do B2B um, business models so that we can keep providing the application for free. Wow. That is amazing. Okay. So what platform is Aqua available on besides the iPhone? Currently, it's only on the iPhone. And then okay. again, for those three big constraints, there are so many Android different devices that as a young company, we needed to make a certain focus. And we know that most of the blind community is on iPhones. Um, and that's why that initial focus is there. Once we expand into the Android market, we of course have to make sure that the camera is good, that the battery is good, that the computing power is good. And that way, of course, it's a bit harder as a young company to, to be on Android first. It will be added down the line, uh, but not yet. Well, that makes a lot of sense in every perspective perspective that you mentioned that that makes a lot of sense to us so now that you're here in the states and working on improving the aqua for the states what is your roadmap like not in terms like like date or time but do you have a sense of idea that you're just going to exclusively be here for a long while or are you going to go to other countries at some point um Canada will also be added down the line. I can say that already. Um, mm-hmm. But the focus is really on on the Northern America uh, area right now. Well, that's great to know. I'm sure I know people from Australia and New Zealand were asking, and I'm sure we'll probably get some from Southeast Asia all over the place once they hear this cast. And it sounds like give you guys some time as, a, you know, one thing at a time. And you mentioned- Exactly right earlier that the more users the more users that we get the better that we are able to really grow fast as a company and expand into new areas wow okay well that's good and you were telling me before this podcast that you and the team are actually going to be moving here into the states so you can concentrate and improving everything on here in the states yeah that's right yeah i will be moving in the team will be moving in may to brooklyn 
Wow. That is going to be a um, a cultural change for you from coming from to New York. That is a, a wonderful city to visit. It is also very different. But thank you for coming here and concentrating that. Does that mean you're going to be moving to different countries as you do more, like Canada? Are you going to move to Canada or are you just... Um, so I think there will be more like hubs where we can easily travel from, but indeed we love to be close to the community. So once we expand into different areas, it might be that we live into that area for a while. All right. So how do people contact you for any suggestions, thoughts, feedbacks, things like that? Yeah. So there's, um, there's an application, uh, sorry, inside the application, there's a, a, a button, um, and that button means contact us where it goes to feedback and eyes, but it really just goes to me. Um, there's also inside the menu, there's suggest an action that also goes to me. Um, but people can always also send me an email, uh, to Willem at AYES.AI. So if anyone wants to contact me or has questions, they're always free to send me an email. Awesome. And I noticed one thing that also that I'm not sure if you want to point out is that on your website, I noticed that you have a newsletter that you can subscribe to. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And what is your website address? Uh, AI. All right. And from there, if I recall, at the very bottom is a um, area where you can subscribe for a newsletter. That way you can keep up to date with ACO and see what news they're coming out from them. I always like to subscribe to those to keep uh, a tap on what's new with with ACO. And I am so glad you were able to come on. You were great. There was so many good information in this and I learned so much. I, I at least I, I learned that I thought voice over voice was butchering OKL <laughs> and it wasn't right. It was ACO all along. <laughs> what are the odds? Um, but thank you so much. No, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's going to do for the AppleViz Extra here with Thomas Dava, also known as Anonymous. Until next time, take care, guys. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the community of AppleVis.com for the latest in resources and tips and tricks to get you the best experience from your Apple device. Visit www.applevis.com.